Which NFL teams had the standout draft classes in 2023 NFL draft breakdown? Big picture. We're zooming out before we zoom in on every single team here as we go through the offseason on Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're digging into the 2023 NFL Draft. I hope everyone had a great weekend. I had a busy weekend. I was doing some live streams, breaking down the 49ers draft and um, you know, making notes on the rest of the league as well throughout the process, Matt. And I know you were doing a ton of Steelers work as well. So now we can look at the rest of the league, how these drafts turned out. You can go back Friday to our episode. We broke down the first round, but now we get to look at the draft classes as a whole and which classes stood out the most and, and what really jumped out to us throughout the 2023 NFL draft here, Matt. Yeah. And it's funny because I personally, I spent many, many hours at the Steelers facility. These last, those last, those three days yesterday, I kind of slept in exhaled, and figured out, you know, what the rest of the league did, you know, tried to digest a bunch of uh, different draft classes, read a lot of people's write-ups. Not that I care if Mel or Todd or any of those people give them an A or an F. I just like, you know, reading them and saying that, that's the eight guys they got. I, my mind can kind of wrap around that. But as you and I were saying, and frankly, we should have hit record like 20 minutes ago. We would have had a great podcast there with all the conversations we were having. Monday's like one of the hardest podcasts of the year. I mean, because... There's too much information. I don't know what to tell people. So we're going to have to spread it out over a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. And there's so many things because there's classes we love. There's classes we didn't like. I think there's mm-hmm. some classes we disagree about, too, which will be fun. And so uh, we're going to start with just the ones that jumped out to us the most here. And, and on the good side of things, I'll let you go first to nominate what, you know, what, what team out there had the best draft. And when we look back, we're like, man, this team got a lot better and, and really built foundational pieces to go forward. I think the Eagles are the most noteworthy, although I don't want to spend too much time on them because we did do a podcast after round one and the the bulk of the, you know their haul came in round one. So we already talked about the Georgia frontline defenders, Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. They, they, they grab Ringo at a, what seems like a value and don't have too much invested in them, grab an offensive lineman and Steen and a, a safety in Sidney Brown that'll help them. But I, I think the rich got richer in Philadelphia uh, is is a quick su- synopsis of them. I don't know if we have to go real deep into what they did, but it's a really quality organization that I think is going to continue to be Super Bowl worthy for a while. Universally, everyone's applauding what the Philadelphia Eagles did in the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they got a lot of good players and they obviously got better and they got a ton of high end talent, drafted three Georgia guys went back-to-back Georgia in round one. I picked nine and 31 with Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. I really like Tyler Steen, third yeah. in the second rounder, third rounder uh, out of Alabama. I, he, I, you know, he's, he was a tackle, left tackle at Alabama, transferred from Virginia, played a lot of football. I think he's a plug-and-play guard in the NFL and could start right out of the gate, a player I really like. So nice value there in the third round. Sidney Brown, rocked up safety, can hit you, uh, has a lot of traits, 
uh, Killy Ringo, a lot of traits at corner, uh, you know, fell all the way down to them at pick four. So they were just, you know, you know, um, just his safety net, basically just picking up. Yeah, the guy right, right. Has, you know, very talented, but where do you play him? Is there some, you know, some character stuff, which kind of a lot of these Georgia guys were slipping and falling. And, and there was even with Jalen Carter with his thing too. It was like, okay, um, maybe not angels over there in, in Georgia that they were putting together with that program, but a lot of athletes and a lot of guys that could ball. And so we'll see how this turns out with all these Georgia teammates there. Do they even get too many Georgia teammates in Philadelphia? Um, Moro Jomo, big defensive lineman uh, out of uh, Texas there that, uh, you know, big defensive end, I think that is a, a nice player for them. Tanner McKee, they got themselves a backup quarterback out of Stanford. It's kind of a statue in the pocket. doesn't fit at all with Jalen Hurts. No, strange. Different. But, um, but, but what I will say is to play devil's advocate, it was a good class, but Nolan Smith is an edge rusher who runs four, three that didn't, get to the quarterback all that much in college and Jalen Carter's got the character questions and they traded up for him kind of unnecessarily moved up one spot. Um, I don't think it'll hurt him giving up that fourth rounder to go up one spot, but clearly the bears didn't care that they're going to get that guy. So I don't think they needed to do it necessarily. And that could go South for them. So there, the, while I agree that this is one of the best classes, when you look at it on paper and what it could be, this could also be a class where they get, maybe a decent guard out of it and they might not get a lot else that that is one of the possibilities there where they get some backups and it's not as impactful as everyone thinks so there's a way that this class could go south so i want to put that out there as well and these are flawed human beings drafted drafting flawed human beings as as we know with the nfl draft process 100 percent. and i do want to throw out you know i expected a lot more player trades there were a ton of trades in this draft but i thought there'd be more veterans on the move yeah Andre Swift can certainly be on my fantasy team, though. I, I like that pickup for sure for the Eagles. And this is probably a conversation for, you know, summer or whatever. But is it a great idea to just keep bringing in Georgia guy, Georgia guy, Georgia guy? And even on Friday, I said, perfect. You know, Carter knows Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean and all his buddies. Well, does that mean he's just going to act the same as he did at Georgia? <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? too many and then do you bring in like the that do you bring in that one buddy that's like, oh no, now he's going to get in trouble with this guy. The other guy right, right, after right. him like big brothers, but then they get the one guy. It's like, oh no, you brought the weird cousin in from from Georgia. And yeah, Georgia's phenomenal. They're a great college team, but all those studs from their defense. Did any of them have a good rookie year? You know what I mean? Like uh, Jacoby Dean, Jordan Davis, uh, the D tackle from the Packers, uh, first overall pick, Walker. None of them came in and lit the world on fire. The linebacker from Green Bay, you know, so. Well, it's because they didn't have, uh, Dean didn't have Carter in front of him and Davis didn't right. have Carter next to him, but now they do. <laughs> right, right, right. So I don't know. There's just two ways of looking at all this. Oh, absolutely. And you, it's it's silly to say that this is exactly how this draft class is going to turn out. Um, I think the evaluation process in is not that it's it's not that hard to look at the tape and know who's good, know who's not, know what the traits are. Mm -hmm. you know how they. That's why I brought the human aspect of it. These guys are all human beings, and some guys are going to fold when they get to the NFL. Some guys are going to get better, and how they're wired is so important. And you never know how these are going to turn out. You want to put a limit on a guy who's too small and too slow, what he could be, because he could become Hall of Famer, and the guy that's got all the traits in the world could completely – uh, you know, fall apart and, and not be in the right situation and not be a good player in the NFL. So yeah, that has to be said with all this when you're grading, we know that, but we still, you know, there, there's still teams that did better than others and we'll find out exactly who that is in three years. But sometimes we do have a pretty good idea just after draft day. I want to nominate your Pittsburgh Steelers as having a great draft. Matt. I thought they were interesting too. Yeah. 
Broderick Jones, I love it. The high upside. He could be the best offensive lineman in this draft. They moved up in front of a team that probably is going to draft him. So just, you know, extra points for the maneuvering. And, and I like that. Yes. It didn't hurt how much they gave up. They still had a couple of second round picks, plenty of picks in the draft. You go up and get the guy you like in front of a team that might have taken him. Um, and and you you get a, you know, a need position. You make value meet need and you get a player that could be one of the best at his position at a, at a premium position. So I love that with the Broderick Jones move. And then you come back with Joey Porter jr. And I know there's like, you know, some nepotism involved here, but uh, it's great value. No matter who drafted him at the top of the second round. And I think everyone would have been cool with him going to pick 17 to the Steelers. hundred percent. I think that the, the maneuvering was great. They, they added a lot of brand name players. I mean, none of us thought Darnell Washington would last to 93. He's got some knee things going on or, it doesn't sound like much, but Corey Trice to me was a, a top 15 cor- corner in this draft. He goes in the seventh round. He had some injury stuff, although he was fine this past year. Um, I really like their draft. And usually I'll be honest, I'm usually a little more critical of my hometown team than I am the other 31 because I'm so close to it. But I have a hard time coming up with bad things to say. I mean, their biggest needs were tackle and corner. They needed a defensive tackle. And those were their first three picks. It all worked out well. There's none of the players they drafted that I dislike. And I do have to mention the nepotism, though. I mean, it's gone crazy with the Steelers to to some degree in the last several years. I mean, they signed Nick Herbig's brother a month ago. They draft him. They bring in two Wisconsin dudes that are buddies with the Watts. They bring in two Georgia guys. You know, last year they go next door to draft their starting quarterback and then draft Cam Hayward's brother. You know, no. Oh, by the way, Joey Porter's kid is now a Steeler, you know, who used to run around out back with Antonio Brown. You know, I interviewed Joey Porter Jr. He's like, yeah, I've been here my whole life. I know this place better than any of you. You know, like it was crazy. Yeah. And that's good or bad. I mean, you and I had a great conversation before we hit record about how weird this scouting process is and maybe how outdated it is. But if you know more about Joey Porter's kid than you do about Deontay Banks or Tyreek Stevenson, why not just you know know the guy draft the guys you know and and you you know uh, the thing you know about them is that you trust who they who they're going to be yeah and, right 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 and, and that's a good way to make a good pick but it's also a good way to maybe miss out on another guy and so we'll, we'll see how it ends up turning out for the Pittsburgh Steelers but you know Keanu Benton we haven't even mentioned hardly and that was a fantastic pick love him yeah round. love him he was one of the top three probably defensive tackles in this class to get him in the second round Washington. I think I, I never really liked him as a first round guy. I thought he's almost too big in a lot of ways and, and mm-hmm. doesn't move and didn't play that. What, like he tests better than he, than he played and moved on the field, but clearly the talent okay. is there. And if the knee holds up and again with Corey Trice, same deal, you know, they're just like, well, look, he's too talented. And he tore his ACL in 2021. Uh, he looked fine to me on tape. I thought he was going to be a third yeah, round, pick, and fourth round pick. He ends up being a seventh round pick. And, and who knows what that medical is like? Does he end up having chronic knee problems and doesn't have a career? I don't know, but that's okay to swing on that talent for a six, three, four, four speed corner. He could play safety as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they drafted two of those Purdue. six, three right. giant corners that just yeah. press people and beat the crap out of them at the line of scrimmage, you know? Yeah. So love the draft hall for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. And they're getting rave reviews across the board and, um, everyone's a brand name guy, which you know makes it easier on the people that don't deeply, deeply know some of these sleepers and whatnot. But I was very pleased. And every time they made a pick, I'm like, I can't believe that guy's still there. You know, kind of like you said, I think they would have considered Porter at 17. I think they would have considered Benton at 32. I think they would have considered Washington at 49. And they got all those guys the pick after that. Love it. 
Um, some more classes that really stood out: Colts, uh, Packers. Uh, there's some 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 interesting ones that maybe we don't agree on as well. Yeah, yeah. On this episode of Peacock and Williamson. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. I know you're looking for that delicious snack. You always are. Everyone is. I am. I know Williamson is, but it's probably best to find that snack without all the sugar and all the calories. And you want the best tasting protein bar when you reach for a protein bar, right? And that's what Built is. You want to reach for snacks that are not only taste good, not only that you want to eat, but that are better for you. Healthy can taste amazing as it does with Built Bar. Looking at some of the flavors, by the way, you got to go to Built.com and find some of the limited releases. They have the newest peanut butter puff peanut butter brownie balls and i'm all about the peanut butter especially as it pertains to protein bars i think it just goes hand in hand it goes so well but you got the coconut strip bar strip of coconut throughout coke a cookie dough strip bar a strip of cookie dough throughout cookies and cream puff snickerdoodle chunk puff amazing flavors at built.com and not only can you find all these amazing bars that are high in protein low in calorie low in sugar at built.com but you can find them on your store shelves as well at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. And it's all about the macros when it comes to Built Bar. And it's all about the macros when it comes to your diet. And we're talking most Built Bars with only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein in most Built Bars. And most Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, which really sets it off and sets it apart from other bars that you might have tried and not liked. You will like Built Bars. So Sam's Club, Walmart, go to Built.com and find all of the hit flavors and varieties, and then you'll thank us later. All right, taking a look here at some of the other drafts that really stood out. I got to go with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, good one. And again, this is a class that you could look at it and say, man, okay, they they reached for a super rock quarterback. Turns out he doesn't develop after a couple of years, and they still don't know where they're at at quarterback, and then the rest of it doesn't matter. But um, the... There's never been this much tools in a quarterback. And I, I got to believe Shane Steichen and, and the what they put together is just the perfect fit. And, and if you believe in the guy, and by all reports, he's a guy you should believe in, and Anthony Richardson, I love it, and I can't wait to watch how this team turns out. And look, this isn't the first draft that Chris Ballard has gone very traits heavy, and he always has. But, man, it is top-to-bottom traits. And they had a ton of picks in this draft. They sat there at four, didn't move around. They got the quarterback, Anthony Richardson, in the first round. And then they followed that up with Julius Brents at six foot three, cornerback. Uh, really good agility numbers, really good workout numbers, tons of traits. Josh Downs in the third round, athletic as all get out. Not the biggest guy, but super athletic slot wide receiver out of North Carolina. And then I really love what they did in the middle rounds with some traitsy guys. Top of the fourth, Blake Freeland out of BYU, a lot like Bernard Raymond last year. That's going to be a battle. It's like which one of the traits he guys develops that offensive tackle, 6'8", 300 pounds, ran sub-5 in the 40, 37-inch vertical, which set a record for offensive linemen at the combine. And then Ottobori is still there. Who People wouldn't have batted an eye if he went at the end of the first round. In the fourth round, defensive end, who ran four fours at the combine at 280 pounds, just something we'd never seen. And that's not it, Matt. There's a, there's five or six more guys with traits that they drafted on day three. Yeah, I, again, it's obvious what they did. I love the Richardson pick. We talked about that Friday. Fine, you know, I, I want to harp more on the mid, you know, the other picks here. And Downs is really the only one that doesn't blow you away size speed wise. You know, he's a shorter guy, but he was like my fifth or sixth best receiver. And he's so much different than Pierce and Pittman too. So gives them a slot jitterbug target hog that they didn't have. 
also a very Richardson friendly pick, which I think has a lot of value as well. But all these guys are size, speed, size, speed. You know, you mentioned Freeland. I mean, he has work to do, but he's the best tester of all the tackles. And I know this is kind of meaningless, but with a 236 pick, they took another phenomenal testing left tackle that doesn't know what the heck he's doing and Jake Witt from Northern Michigan. But so it's what? Really funny. You know? right. <laughs> it's funny, Matt, with Freeland and Watt, because those were or, uh, Jake Witt, excuse Witt, me, yeah. seventh rounder from Northern Michigan. They're two guys that I talked a lot about pre-draft for the 49ers. Because I bet, yeah. Athletic to get that zone scheme going. And I called Jake Witt, who I learned about late in the process. The Niners had him in on a 30 visit because he was a small school guy. Mm-hmm. A 37-inch vertical. He was uh, 6'7", 300 pounds, former Hooper, turned tight end, turned tackle really late in his yep. career so he had to he's no clue what he's doing 280 to but like traits four eight nine forty yard dash at 300 pounds and i called him the kirkland brand blake freeland so darius rush fifth rounder six two ran four threes will mallory super athletic move tied in evan hole one of the better receiving backs in this class love the value there um out of northwestern Running back in round five, uh, Jalen Jones is, uh, you know, classic cover three corner, not the fastest guy, but really long six two. could even yeah. move the safety. He's not afraid to hit you. So I love the draft class and they have so many swings that even if half of them don't turn out because they're boomer bust traitsy guys, if the other half do, you have a star studded draft class. Yeah, I've been talking about Evan Hull on Locked on Dynasty now for a couple of weeks. He's one of my favorite guys and perfect backup for Jonathan Taylor. You mentioned Mallory. He ran he ran the best 40 of any tight end at the draft. You know, Ababare is the perfect example of he's fallen, he's fallen. Maybe he isn't a DN, maybe he isn't a D tackle. Who knows? I just know he's really fast and tests really well. And they just bring in a ton of athletes. And I think there's merit to that. That's why you pay your coaching staff. I'm paying my defensive line coach to turn Ababare into a football player instead of an athlete or Freeland into a left tackle instead of an athlete. That's why these guys are getting paid. You know, coach them up. Love it. Uh, That was a fantastic class there. Uh, I want to talk Green Bay Packers really quick, Matt. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting class. You know, Lucas Van Ness, they they moved up a couple of spots with that trade uh, with the – with the New York Jets in the Aaron Rodgers deal, they ended up at 13 instead of 15. Got Lucas Van Ness, which is fine. Uh, I think he's a player much like Rashawn Gary they drafted a couple years ago where he's clearly not a finished product yet, And but traitsy as heck. And what can he turn out to be? I don't know. but No idea what he's going to be in the NFL or where he's even going to line up, but you're, you're betting on just the raw power athleticism height, weight, speed stuff with with him, just like he did with Gary. It turned out with Gary, can they do it again with Lucas Van Ness on the other side? And then they came back with Luke Musgrave, tight end out of Oregon State in the second round. I love Jalen Reed, or Jaden Reed. I thought he's more of a third rounder, but they got him in the second round. So I was a little bit onto something there with Michigan State wide receiver mm-hmm. and a um, really nice fit there, sort of a slot guy, can play special teams, can get down the field, doubled up at tight end. Tucker Kraft, great value in the third round. Um, Dontavian Wicks is an underrated wide receiver prospect in this draft. So they got another couple of wide receivers after getting a couple of wide receivers last year and then two more tight ends. So they're trying to help out their young quarterback. And so big picture, I love that. And Carl Brooks is just, uh, you know, he didn't test well at all. Wasn't even invited to the combine. Right. Dude just made plays at Bowling Green time and time again, could play some outside in defensive end or maybe some defensive tackle because he is 300 pounds. Um, just, you know, a bunch of picks and a bunch of players I like. Seventh round, Anthony Johnson Jr., Grant DuBose, also value picks there in the seventh round that could absolutely make the team. So I uh, love the love the draft hall for the Green Bay Packers in the post-Aaron Rodgers era. 
I wouldn't say I love it, but I think they're one of the most noteworthy teams. And frankly, I don't love Van Ness at 13, but that's about as Packers of a pick as you're ever going to see. Um, I like the Wooden and Brooks com- you know, conversation you just kind of had there. I think both of them are kind of three, four DN types, you know, that can get upfield. And I understand that they're sort of the epitome of a lot of kickers and punters drafted in this class and, you know, tier three, tier four quarterbacks drafted higher than I would have guessed. And I'm going to kill him on Sean Clifford because Penn State was on my TV all the time. I mean, it's you can't help but watch Penn State when you're around here. He's really bad. I, I can't believe he was even drafted, to be honest with you. I, that was one of the most head-scratching picks of the entire draft to me. I thought he was, maybe you're going to get in a camp, maybe. But I adore this tight end class, and they got two of my favorites. Jaden Reed's a guy I've been boosting big time on Locked On Dynasty, too. Like, he's better than you people think. If you can get him in your rookie draft before he, he goes, get him now. I didn't expect him to go 50, but he may play a lot for them and be a really good compliment to Watson. So I think it's a very interesting draft. Certainly interesting, no matter what. But they got yeah. some. Uh, they got some pass catchers for their young quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Day two. Pass the, the 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 mid round quarterbacks. I think that'll be a subject we talk about a little bit more tomorrow. But that was for one sure. of the shockers in this draft is how high some of the uh, maybe everyone's trying to find the next Brock Purdy, right? But I was like, okay, you're going to draft a backup quarterback in a spot where you like. I, I don't like the idea of drafting a player that you hope never has to play. <laughs> right, right, right. Over a player that could actually help you but quarterback is super important so maybe it doesn't matter just keep drafting quarterbacks and we've had that conversation recently on the podcast too and maybe enough teams don't do that but it's got to be the right quarterback too yeah i don't think this is the right quarterback but i'll save my thoughts on these quarterback you know day three quarterbacks or even earlier uh for later in the week but i do think there's a trend there in the league that we do need to address but i don't think sean clifford is a good example i just think he's a really bad player all right, more standout draft classes next. Seattle Seahawks and All right. those Detroit Lions. I do want to thank everybody first once more for making locked or for making uh, the Peacock and Williamson show your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to all the everydayers. We're going to probably talk a little bit about more some classes that we didn't like on tomorrow's episode later in the week. Talk more about, uh, you know, just some overall interesting nuggets from the draft what are how are teams building their teams this day and age how can teams do a better job uh building their teams just the overall process of the nfl draft which is super fascinating and and how they put some prospects in a really bad situation and of course we are going to go division by division team by team talk about every single team's draft hall here as we go forward and getting ready for the 2023 season on peacock and williamson what's the next team you want to nominate here matt you're going to talk Seattle? You just kind of brought them up. That's fine by me. I like that because this is a team that's interesting that uh, I think going back and we talked about them on Friday with their first round and then uh, going into the the day two and day three area, some surprising picks. And Dan yeah. Witherspoon, actually, the more I think about it, is even more surprising because he was a player that I thought we were going to talk about. Man, he went pick nine, but if he was taller, bigger, he probably would have gone top five. Well, he still went top five, even though he's only 180 pounds. And um the the C I don't think the Seahawks have ever drafted a a corner in the tops ninety picks. Bro, that Carroll. sounds about right. Yeah, doesn't happen. And so 
are they, you know, has it been that cover three team and a different style of corner for them? But the league is changing and the league's getting away from some of the strict cover three stuff, as are the, the Seahawks in some ways, but they still run a lot of zone. And with their star corner that they drafted last year in the fifth round, it looks like a, a star path for Tariq Wool and so tracing yeah, yeah. and just, you know, ridiculous. Uh, and then you get Dev- Devin Witherspoon, you know, they're, they're kind of changing with the times here. They just liked him the most. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, he could be. A role player, he could yeah. be a target hog guy. And, you know, I, I do. I loved their first round. I thought they were really good players. Derek Hall in the second round, good, good player. You know, um, I, it was a little early for me. A little early. He's a try hard guy, but he's got a little tight as, a, as an yeah, edge yeah. rusher, but, you know, speed to power guy uh, coming off the edge out of Auburn. And then they, they drafted two running backs, Zach Charbonnet in the second round after going second round last year and having what looks like a stud running back in Walker. Then they came back in the seventh round and drafted Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia as well. And I'm not going to kill anyone for their seventh round pick. Who cares? You know, but two running backs in a class after you drafted one last year. I mean, and McIntosh is more of a receiving back than these guys. Fine. You know, maybe he's just a specialist. And it's not even that running backs aren't a value, and that's a whole different conversation. And Zach Charbonnet very well could be a top 50 player in this draft just in terms of how good he is, and they get him to 52. It's just redundant, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't understand that pick. It did take them a little while to get to their big people, although I think Bradford in the fourth round, although a teamy in the fifth could certainly help them sooner than later. Cameron Young will eat some space for him in the middle of the defense, but – an odd draft. I mean, I looked at Mike Morris and thought, I don't know if he's athletic enough to be in the league, you know, let alone a fifth round pick. I, I thought the same way after their first round, and I like the players they grabbed there. Yeah. But you can look at this class and kind of squint and go, ah, yeah, how much how much did they really help themselves after that first after round area? Won. And you could argue that Devin Witherspoon maybe went a little bit too high. Is, is he yeah, going to find out that he can't, you know, bully and play the way he wants to in the NFL? Like it's one thing to tackle at the college level. It's another thing tackling Debo Samuel at the NFL level, right? At 180 pounds. And um, you can try to bring the thunder there and, and we'll see how that ends up working out. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, the reason he was there at 20, this wasn't a great wide receiver class. He was the best of this group, but is he just kind of a, number two number three guy in the nfl or is he the Maybe. next cooper cup you know so you could look at this class and say man you drafted a running back top 50 you could have used some other positions here because you had yourself a running back i don't have no problem with the kenny mcintosh pick love the value there of a yeah. seventh round running back who who could be fine there too and play the same role that you drafted zach charbonnet to play even though charbonnet is my third running back in this class um i would have liked him with a different team than the seahawks here and especially from a fantasy perspective because now that you can't even draft now you can't draft any of their running backs man. <laughs> right kills us for fantasy I and mean, charbonnet was like the dynasty clear number three running back now he's a lifetime backup you know or part-time player so this is a conversation we'll probably have more tomorrow but they're getting some of the best draft grades on monday here of anyone and i just don't know that you know, to me the teams that have the best and most picks get the best draft grades. Well, I'm more curious what, you know, you do with the cards that are dealt to you as opposed to what you end up hauling in. They had four picks in the top 52. And I don't know that any of them were great values or steals or guys that are going to be phenomenal players. I think it's easy for Zach Charbonnet to be a good player, but sure. I think in this team, it made even less sense for him at, at 52 
And, you know, Hall, again, is he a rotational guy or does he become a stud edge defender? That'll be key because of those top 50, those two, those four picks they had in the top 52 picks, I think two of them was like, okay, cool. And the other two was like, eh, all right, I don't know. And so, all right. yeah, their, their day two and day three was not as home run, I think, as their day one. And we'll find out. I liked Olutimi. I liked McIntosh where they got him, but wasn't blown away by the rest of their class. Yeah, and kind of what you said before, Witherspoon's a good player. None of us had a problem with it at five. But if he's a lifetime number two that never goes to a Pro Bowl, is a good player, you know, like, is that worth the fifth pick? You know? Right. No, that's a great point. You know what? You brought up something interesting there, Matt. And I want to go to a team that didn't have high picks, that I give okay. a high grade on a curve based on what they were able to do without having picks in the first and second round. I'm going to go to the Cleveland Browns. I really mm. like what the Cleveland Browns did. They didn't pick until the 11th selection in round three. They got Cedric Tillman there, wide receiver out of Tennessee. Um, I think in the third round, that's you know that's a player that had a much better. If you look at his 2021 tape, you might have thought he was going to go higher. 6'3", 213, can pull the ball down in a crowd. And so, um, and with the way that, with the way that they play and with the way that their quarterback plays Mm -hmm. in Cleveland, and obviously everybody in Cleveland's hoping there's going to be, you know, a a big step up in play of the entire offense because of Deshaun Watson. But I like Deshaun Watson throwing to Cedric Tillman. So I think that's a good fit there and a good value. They get the big defensive tackle out of Baylor, Siaki Ika uh, in the third round. Jawan Jones falling all the way to the fourth round here. And there's some questions about, you know, is he too big? He's kind of an oversized guy. And we do see those players tend to fall a little bit. But if he's motivated, you got yourself a starting offensive tackle in the fourth round. I love one of my favorite picks in the entire draft was Isaiah McGuire in the fourth mm. round out of Missouri. I think he's a starting three down defensive end all day long for the Cleveland Browns. So fantastic value there. Uh, a really good fifth round pick in Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's you know backup quarterback, but still. Is, is, oh, is a that talented, makes sense. Yeah. talented guy and you know you, you give yourself a good long-term backup that could start games for you and, and you probably won't be upset about that in a few years i, I would imagine I, I really like dorian thompson robinson uh really athletic really good arm you know luke weipler in the sixth round you get yourself a center that's you know key backup could play some guard could play some center maybe might be a starting player too so the Browns are one of those teams where you're grading on a curve. You look at this class, and I, I wouldn't take this class necessarily over, you know, the Seattle Seahawks or anything. Sure. But I think what they did on day two and three was awesome without having a first or a second round pick. Yeah, I mean, you don't pick first, and your first pick's not till 74. You're not going to get a star-studded A-plus from Mel. But I think they did do well with the cards they were dealt. I mean, Thompson Robinson, if he's a long-term backup for Deshaun Watson with a similar playing style, that's a tremendous pick. I think Whipler might be a starting center in a year or two. I mean, I thought he was a fourth round type guy. I thought he was one of the top five centers in this draft. DeWad Jones to me is the huge question mark. You know, if he can slim down and stay motivated, he could be a stud. If he doesn't, well, you wasted the 111th pick on him, you know, so that's worth the risk to me. I really thought the Browns defensive tackle unit last year, was as bad as any position group in the league. And now you put Ika next to Dalvin Tomlinson with all those, you know, fa- you know small, fast flow linebackers. You, you're I love that. Them I love by- that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Keep, exactly. Keep, keep Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa clean. Exactly. So there's a plan there. And, you know, you, the guy you didn't mention is someone they didn't draft is Elijah Moore. So you had Tillman and Elijah Moore to Najoku and Amari Cooper and put Watson in the shotgun and play to his strengths. You have a nice variety of pass catchers there. 
yeah, variety is key too. And I like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always, I subscribe to that, uh, you know, build your basketball team there. You got your yep. center and you got your, uh, you know, you got your shooting guard and now you go get a, a wing player in Cedric Tillman. So uh, I love that. And by the way, do you think this, uh, this has to play into it a little bit at least, but the best defensive tape versus your guy, and these are division opponents going to play twice a year. The the best defensive player I saw against Broderick Jones, who was the Steelers' first round pick, was Isaiah McGuire. Oh, okay. They I have to go watch that tape. So he's hard to play against McGuire. Yeah. I mean, I think he'll be part of that rotation opposite Miles Garrett from day one, like you mentioned, an invaluable player. He's a nice pickup for them. I'm going to tease this one for tomorrow, and I don't want to tell the listeners which is which, but I think the team we disagree on the most maybe is the Detroit Lions. So what about some teams that we thought really did not help themselves out in the NFL draft or maybe just with what they had, had some of the worst NFL drafts out of everybody on tomorrow's show? The Detroit Lions is going to be an interesting conversation. So some more standout teams on, you know, the bad side of things on tomorrow's episode of Locked On or on uh, Peacock and Williamson. And on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we're going to start getting deeper into all the teams, all the divisions in the NFL, and some other – I really want to talk about this, Matt. Teams are doing a disservice to NFL draft prospects, and it's a conversation I think we need to have. All that coming up later this week on Peacock and Williamson. Shout out to all the everydayers, Matt and I, back tomorrow right here, Peacock and Williamson. <laughs> 